This episode you are about to enjoy is a previously recorded episode from The Unfiltered Historian. Howdy, sir. Welcome back. It's so good to be back. <laughs> I know I it is. I've done some uh, little things over that time period, but obviously it wasn't very good. Um, so we apologize for that. Yeah, we tried to do Restream a couple weeks ago, and it just... Uh, yeah, it went yeah, off. Yeah, that's the noise it made. It was terrible, yeah. And then <laughs> even wasn't. when we did get it up, it looked shite. But um, we apologize for that. But we're back now, ladies and gentlemen. We are. It's so good. All steam play. ahead. All steam ahead. I so, like Tyler. It. Yes. What have you been up They're to? In... Nothing really, man. You know, just hanging out. Oh, nothing. Out. I only went to no, Gettysburg. No, I only went to Gettysburg. No, man, we've had a lot going on this last week. It's been pretty cool, actually. So, I got a few things I got to do for the first time. Tazbo, welcome on to the stream there. See you over there on Twitch. Thank you for joining. And for those that are just now tuning in, if you're watching on Facebook, if you're watching on YouTube, if you're watching on Facebook again, and if you're watching on Twitch, thank you guys for joining an episode of Unfiltered Conversations with Daz and Ty. Um, back to what I was doing this week, though. Uh, so Monday, I spoke to the Rappahannock Valley Civil War Roundtable, and... Oh man, that was that was a hell of an experience, and I'm so glad I had the opportunity to do that. I got to present on Emery Upton, who I've been studying for quite some time. And it's funny, Darren, um, as I was going to the event to speak, I kind of scrapped the entire idea of what I had in mind when I went to go present, and kind of was just like, "All right, you know what? 
I, I don't even want to do this anymore. I want to do it my way. I want to have this this new approach and kind of a winged approach to this talk I was doing on Upton. And it worked tremendously. Just so did you, have it, did you have stuff written down? Is that how you was going to present it? No? I had a PowerPoint. So I, I still... Yes, so I, I've got I still visions had of you ripping up pieces of paper and chucking it out the window. <laughs> Metaphorical paper, absolutely. I didn't have any in front of me. Um, uh, but yeah, there, there was definitely like this idea of just let me go off. I have the ideas in my PowerPoint of what I want to say, but let's try to wing it and do something a little different than I had in mind. And again, it worked out much better in that way, in that approach, which was awesome. So I'm glad I got to do that. And it was really cool giving a talk to a roundtable that does mean a lot to me. In fact, they were the ones that I won the uh, intern award, uh, the Edwin Cole Bars intern award back in 2016 that allowed me to go through another internship. So, of course, you know, it was really, really, really cool to give a talk to those folks specifically. So I was uh, very happy I got to do that. And then we go to Gettysburg on Thursday. That was fun. Um, I see over there on Twitch, Kojak1863, what's going on, bud? He said, what is it in England? Uh, what do you mean, Kojak? Could you be a bit more specific, please? <laughs> um, well, I'm waiting on Kojak to respond to you there. I guess I'll touch. I drove all the way up to Gettysburg to do a, an event with the Tattooed Historian. We did an event called WTF Moments of the Civil War that was done at the Gary Owen in Gettysburg. Man, that was a fun event. And then we did something even cooler. What time? Oh, is right. It? So it is now actually technically Monday morning because it is midnight. Oh, Thank you, time Kojak, traveler. For asking. It's kind of a paradox time live stream going on it's, here. It's yeah. a day ahead of us over there, and we're still on Sunday here. It is Happy Father's Day, everybody. Oh, that's right. Happy Father's Day, folks. But yes, Gettysburg. So John and I, after our WTF moments in the Civil War, we decided to go live in front of the McPherson barn. And that was, even both of us talked about it afterwards. That was one of the most impactful experiences of the day, I think, was being out there. Tazbo, thank you so much, man. He said both events were good. Watch both. Thank you. Yeah, we like I said, we had a good time out there on um I, I was really, really into that last one we did too with him as well. I think that was so cool to be able to have a one-on-one -on -one with our live audience there and have the folks that are at home really have a chance to interact with us while we were in the, or on the battlefield in real time. You know what I mean? So like we can have a conversation just on the battlefield. <clears throat> and I really hope that this is something that'll be done more. Uh, I know I'm going to push for it for sure. I, I love being able to talk from the couch or the office desk. Uh, but I also really enjoy being able to go to the battlefield and talk to you guys because that's fun too. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's what that's what we're all about, really, isn't it? And uh, there will For be sure. some more of that coming, guys. So, I mean, if you guys enjoyed our Fredericksburg stuff, there is stuff coming in August. So keep tuning. Tune oh, in. my apologies. I am so sorry. I am so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> my apologies. But yeah. yeah. So we got loads planned, really, haven't we, in the coming months? And uh, as you might be aware, ladies and gentlemen, the Unfiltered Historium is going to reach its milestone one year very soon. That's right, July fourth, man. July fourth. Yep. As I like to call it, Happy Traitors Day. You know, the day that you lot decided we don't need your uh, money and we don't need your tea anymore. We're going to dump it in the harbour. You have some feelings about that day. Do you want to talk do, about you it? You know, it's still yeah. it's still a little bit raw. Do, do, do you want to talk about it? No. Are you sure? What's the matter with a king's rule? <laughs> what do you mean? What's the matter with the king's rule? <laughs> you know, no, we want to rule ourselves. No, you don't. <laughs> yeah, we do. And look, we did. <laughs> we did, and look what happened. Yeah, there you go. Don't, don't mess with us. We will throw your tea in the water. I, I know. Swear to God, I know. We will. But. Yeah, so, I mean, I managed to catch um, your, I think both, all, I think you did two, uh, two. two at the, uh, on the, the Gettysburg thing, didn't you? I did. Um, John yeah, so I also did. You spoke about, like, uh, phantom limbs and stuff. I thought yeah. that was really interesting. You I know, know that was a fun story. That. I found that really fascinating. I climbed the tower with you guys, too. I don't I remember doing that one. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Kojak. England need a holiday for George Washington. Yeah, we do. 
yeah and it'll it'll include a boot anyway <laughs> so um yeah uh, so that's how do they teach that history over there our revolution i mean well we don't that's, that's a good question it. you don't do you know what i don't know nothing about it apart from tea they don't teach you guys at all no we don't want to know about george washington are you sure nah. george washington's pretty cool man all we do know is we burnt the White House down once, so you know that's always my comeback. Thanks. Looks go. like I've got another participant in the live stream here tonight too. You have, but joking aside, I think you've got a lovely country, and I love visiting your country. <laughs> so when I'm well, there, just treat you. me nicely. Um, oh, of course, that's Tyler what we do. Man. Already done that, you know. He made me buy my own mattress, and uh, you know. <laughs> That's what we do in the USB, baby. Sorry, it's been a little while. I have to bring those jokes back up out of the cupboards, you know. Out of Sorry. the cupboards. Oh, so you're restoring them for later. That's what you were doing. Okay. See, I, I see how this but works now. Anyway, going back to Gettysburg. Sure. Um it is such amazing an amazing place, isn't it? And oh it's yeah. it's an incredible place, man. And it's what one of those it's, it's made me want to go back now. Thank you, Tyler. Um my pleasure, so, bud. I'm not going to be in the uh, the US very long in August, only about five days, but we are planning a little trip to Gettysburg. And so you are going to get all day live content from the battlefield on Gettysburg rammed down your throats. Yep. <laughs> I guess one of us is buying dinner in August. <laughs> Where are we going, well, Kojak? Kojak? I definitely yeah. owe Kojak some dinner anyway. He's been a very nice person to me. Yeah, Kotek is an awesome person. We had and lunch when he came last time. A lovely gift a little while ago. So I'll thank you for that. I can't wait to meet up with you guys. God, dude, Kojak's fun to hang out with too. I'm glad yeah. I got to spend some time with him last year. But we we he gave me a book that I treasure, um, mm. Soldiering by uh, oh, Rice Bull, one of my favorite participants at the Battle of Chancellorsville, and I, I'm half tempted to do an episode there, or Darren, if you would want to maybe do one with me on that whole account, anyways. Uh, just I'd Rice love Bull. to, yeah, yeah. Rice Bull's story would be favorite. favorite it, it would be more than Chancellorsville. I, I would try yeah. to focus more so on uh, uh, Rice Bull's whole wartime account, but I mean, Chancellorsville mm -hmm. obviously features heavy in that, and yeah, that's what I first where, where I first came across Rice Bull was at. Uh, studying Chancellorsville. So, I mean, you know, you go through like, I don't know if you're the same as me, Tyler, but I go through like periods of uh, different uh, studying and reading and listening to different things. And I've sort of lately, I've sort of the last week or so I've dropped off the civil war again, you know, but sort of got back into it today. Um, Where'd you go? I, I don't know. No, I mean, we're still what? in it. You know what I mean? But at one point I was following the overland campaign the whole way through May. And then all of a sudden, uh, the World War Two thing that I did with a couple of other guys came up, the D-Day thing, and it just sort of dropped off the end of the earth for a little, uh, for a week or so. But then I picked up a uh, audio book today uh, about Abraham Lincoln's life, and I'm back into it again. So it was only for a week. You like Lincoln, don't you? I do. I'm a super fan. You're a super fan of Lincoln. I find this guy fascinating, and in actual fact, I think he is probably the most fascinating man that ever stood on this earth. It's pretty bold. Uh, it is, but I love the guy. I think he's amazing. Yeah. Just amazing person. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, Lincoln's pretty yeah. rad in my book. I like Lincoln, I, too. I, I think he's your best ever president. And people might argue with that. Yes, there are there are some others out there. Um, but I just, I just... It's just amazing. Yeah. And, you know, there you go. No, that's awesome. That's what I like to hear, man. Lincoln's a cool dude, and I'm glad somebody likes him as much as you. And it's, it's, I sometimes I just so find it so weird that a British folk like mm -hmm. Lincoln more than some of us do here, or admire him more. So it's, but that's okay. But then, that then you get some people that love uh, Winston Churchill, you know, Americans that love Churchill, you know, things like that. It's a similar situation. But yes, I remember. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right here, man. I do love Winston as well, but you know. Me too. Um, I, I, I'm really getting into not as much as Terry, Terry at the moment. And, Terry uh, has me beat with Churchill. He loves Winston. Oh, I know. Yeah. And uh, I'll, hopefully I'll bring him over a gift, something Churchill related. But um, 
Yeah. Yeah, man. Sorry, I had to take a sip of my Wawa tea. That's something I'm gonna have to get as long you. As you're not drinking Beaver's butt anymore, you'll be all right. No, it's 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 tea and lemonade today. Tea and lemonade. I thought you chucked it all in the uh, Rappahannock. It's sweet tea, iced oh. tea. Yeah, see, this is the other thing. I don't understand how you guys drink cold tea. It's just oh, it's so good. You know, it's so good. It's just not right, is it? Nathan Provost over on Facebook. Hello, sir. Hope you're well. Oh, hello, Nate. Hello, hello. Nate. Hello, mate. <laughs> hello, my old mucker. <laughs> uh, sorry, Darren. I love you. That's all right. Um, we have over here on Twitch, Lincoln and the Fight for Peace is an excellent new book. There you go, Darren. Time to add another book to your list. Yes, please. What are you reading right now? Anyways, you said you have a link. No, so I'm not reading anything. I'm listening to a lecture series. Okay. The, what's it called? The Great Courses. Mm -hmm. It's on Audible and it's Lincoln's life and it's that um i can't remember the guy's name but he's on all the lincoln documentaries he's a, he's a professor from gettysburg university i think i think he's still there and he appears on the lincoln documentary and the grant documentary that has is it been out. um he's written a book called get he's written a, a book the last that. invasion yeah gelzo the, yeah gelzo yeah mm -hmm. yeah okay. he he he's in he's uh lecturing this one um, I also have another one in that great series. So one of them, one of them I picked up was Gary Gallagher's, and it literally is. It's a, it's about thirty hours long. This audio book, the Civil well, it's War, it's a lecture series, but it's called the Civil War, mm -hmm. and it's amazing. I've listened you, to that. If if you if you're going to get into the Civil War, this is definitely something you should listen to to help you try and understand the origins of the Civil War because he really sure. goes in depth, and then he goes in depth about explaining the civil war when it erupts you know but he goes into great lengths of explaining it the build-up to it okay and I then there's one called lee and his commanders i think it's called so i've got that one in my library which i will listen to soon as well because cool. that that is quite interesting is is the way robert lee um manages to manage all of these egos mm -hmm. and as you know tyler there's some strained relationships within that circle just a bit you know um you were telling me that great story driving on the uh the flank march one day about um the argument between jackson and hill was it or was it not hill um i'll, I'll get these two mixed up are you talking about early early sorry yeah the one that took place because early was drinking yeah tell it tell us that story i want to listen to that you story, want to that story again that story. all right so i love it the... <laughs> When Fredericksburg was starting to fold and play out in December of 1862 or uh, November at this point, because Jackson's moving his core to Fredericksburg from the, the directions of Winchester all the way into Fredericksburg. It's a pretty long walk, right? And along the way, there's this incident where Jackson will have early in front and there will be, or I believe Jackson's in front, excuse me. And there's just a kind of a clog in the lines. The the lines are you know not moving down the road as they should. It's it's a it's a Confederate traffic jam, if you will. You know, there's just too many men on the road, and it's not easy to maneuver. And it's winter, so you're factoring in that there's probably poor roads because of the weather. So there's there's so many things you can factor into this this massive jam in the road. Well, farmers around the area are gonna take absolute like joy in this because here's the time to get rid of some of our whiskey so they're going to open some of their sills to the confederates that are in the roads here and jubal early's men are infamously going to indulge and some might overindulge and long story short there's this, this correspondence between early and i believe it's sandy pendleton uh, and something along the effects of Early being asked why his men are still sitting, not doing anything, and Early responds with a very shit-eating grin while he's drunk, probably way more than a man should be at that time. Um, he'll respond with, like, well, if Jackson would get a move on, something like that, Jackson's core is holding the sub, then we would be further along. And Jackson would actually place him under arrest for this comment that took place. And eventually the court-martial um, goes kind of out the window when Jackson's daughter is born later on. But yeah, that's a fun little story. 
Jubilee. And, and I do love that little story. But also, you know, Jackson was a real stickler for the rules, wasn't he? And sure was. What I'm getting so now we're on to Jackson. You're actually reading something on Jackson lately. I am. Right? Um currently, and I have it on me. Yeah. I saw that the other day. Very interesting. I can go through my pile of books if you want to see what I'm reading this next couple oh, of weeks. Definitely. I mean, your All pile right. of books is just amazing. It's small now because I have bookshelves. It's actually I mean, manageable. Oh, right. <laughs> what I'm currently reading is Searching for Stonewall Jackson. That's going to be written by Ben Cleary. Um, I'm not sure how I like it so far. I don't love it and I don't dislike it. I'm just so, kind of. So, what's it going into? So it's the book premise is a quest for legacy in a divided America. So initially I'm over here thinking that this is going to be uh, sort of a new look at Jackson, um, especially in today's light. But it's really just the author's experience of traveling to places that Jackson had fought at or had done something of note at and brief history of what happened in these locations. Uh, so I haven't really found much of, anything crazy worthwhile different. yet in this book yeah yeah, I'm not, yeah. no okay. so um i'm hoping I'm hoping it turns out to be something different well, <laughs> you know sometimes, like sometimes they don't and sometimes they do you know ooh, taz I mean, over on twitch actually asked a really cool question give jackson some lemons and he would be happy <laughs> <laughs> Taz says, what was the shelter for the troops at Fredericksburg in December? Just tense. Good question. Now, when we, when we ask this question, there, there's two to three different ways I can set about answering this. One, first of all, if we're talking strictly the battle, the men slept on their arms that night. The Union forces in front of the stone wall had it tremendously worse and we're stuck sleeping on their arms but under fire and under no shelter whatsoever when they retreated back across the river for the winter quarters period so from post battle of fredericksburg in december all the way to spring of 1863 a lot of the troops built huts out of the wood and would try to build these different shelters and a lot of makeshift shelters make an appearance at this portion of the war on both sides um so the the tents may have been sporadic before the battle but you're not seeing tents pitched and, and anything of that significance on the battlefield during the Battle of Fredericksburg at all. There's just troops laying in mass, wounded, killed, or you know, um, unable to move because of the Confederate fire there on the Stonewall. Um, similar situation happening on the southern end of the battlefield as well. And again, I'm not sure that there were many tents pitched at all. But a very good question. Yeah, no, if there were any tents, again, it would have been pretty much the, 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 the battle's preluding the battle so right before that am i right in saying tyler as well the union did the similar thing over on the the uh, like you was just saying over the other side of the river because you've got that stafford heights uh park haven't you or something where they well, correct yeah but that's what i meant by both sides both sides are digging yeah. in and making these winter quarters almost the union more significantly you're looking like you said there the 11th corps camp is actually preserved today and you can go walk through that that's the mm. stafford civil war park that's, it, so that's yeah. where the 11th corps the union army of the potomac are going to have their winter quarters they're going to have all of this set up in the area today again preserved under the stafford civil war park but you look at some of the the renditions that they have left today to show you what they lived in and again they're lost huts their little houses i mean well, they're and i'm reading that's, it's, I'm glad. there's some fabulous pictures sure. uh, knocking about let me see if i can find one and i'll send yeah. it to you, you can pop perfect it up. one of the books i'm reading as well which i'm going to show you guys is actually i'm um, reading a two-volume history on the 11th corps from chancellorsville to the war's end and they were talking about the uh there were like almost companies in the regiments that had like can, can, competitions to see who could build the cleanest or the easiest like street and they were calling these things streets so you can almost like picture how these camps were set up taz again writes that i just watched something on winter huts what happened to the huts when the winter camps broke did the area residents tear them down or were they left standing another good question so when hooker leaves to embark on the chancellorsville campaign in late april of 1863 they're striking camp not expected to return to camp and this could show um from hooker's just confidence that he's going to win this battle upcoming or whether this is simply just that there is a plan to do uh, something else after this battle transpires so not to return to this campsite 
so basically, yes, they would have been struck. Uh, the troops would have torn them down and or left them standing um, in places. It, it kind of varies as to what the site okay. was going on. But you also have to consider, too, that the uh, Union Army also has quite a few forces still left across the river at the time of the Chancellorsville campaign that are going to uh, have some significant happenings in the town itself and the heights around up to Salem Church on the 3rd of May. So there's still a lot going on. So there still might be a lot of camps that are left in place as well. Again, you can talk this even going as far as uh, Hansborough Ridge in uh, Culpeper. There's the uh, Hansborough Ridge that the Union Army uh, I think it's specifically under the second Corps under Hancock at the time. And I could be wrong, but this is right before the battle of the wilderness. And there were still even today evidence of some of the locations of the campsite there that the Confederate or the union forces had just before the battle of the wilderness. So good question there. Uh, Darren sent me those things. So I'm going to go ahead and get them. Up I mean, some of them, I think most of them are examples of union ones. And again, some of them are, I've just picked out a few that I've just found literally just by putting in winter camps, civil war. Yeah, um, one of them is an original uh, photograph. Well, a couple of them are, I think. Yeah, I see it him. just gives you an idea this... of what they would have looked like. In a moment here, but also Sorry. during that period, from that November all the way round, they don't really leave the two armies, do they? They're literally there mm -hmm. until whenever. Yeah. You know, I mean, even after Chancellorsville, they still go back to their camps, don't they? Pretty much. Yep, until late April of 63. Until, obviously, Lee decides to move his army out and go on the, the march north. And we all know how that ended. Yeah, it ended great, actually. They had a good time. Had lunch and everything. Here we go. There's one. And then the second one I want to show is this one. Yeah. So I think that's at that park he was talking about. Is that right? It's either there or pamphlet. I'm hard to. Yeah, it might, might be pamphlet. It, yeah. it looks definitely the by the trees the, to be more like pamphlet. But yeah, no, that's the that's the idea. Thing is, I've got an answer to that question. So there's another question. It's uh, I can't imagine living outside. I don't even go out when it's cold. But the thing is, these guys are hard. You know, they're not made like us. You know, these guys are harder people. They, they, they had hard, probably lived in hardship. They actually probably had worse lives outside of the army. And Taz, um, if you like to read a lot about the Civil War, I can point you to a fantastic book. That's um, Weather, Climate, and the Civil War by Kenneth W. No. Fantastic book. And it goes a lot into what kind of you just said there. You would hate to live out there in that. Imagine doing that for four years. And it goes through all the different climates and different weather patterns and experiences that the soldiers are going to have to endure it throughout their entire duration of a war or however long their stay in the army is going to be. But it does. It goes through and details all the different happenings with the weather and what that does to a campaign or what that does to a person when it comes to campaigning and being on the camp. It's just really, really cool. And the book is fantastic. So to kind of piggyback off it there and said, I would definitely point you to that book if you wanted to kind of broaden your horizons there, especially when it came to weather and having to be outside during the Civil War. And the funny and thing get, about that, yeah, too, the, no, you're good. The book, when it writes, the first thing, like the, the, the introductory sentences is that many folks who think or study the Civil War or uh, something about not thinking that the war was fought outside. No. And I'm, we keep I'm forgetting really that it was an mind. outside was, battle. Like it was, A lot of time was spent in camp. They didn't fight battles all the time, you know. The battle is actually a very small percentage of the Civil War soldiers' life. Right. A lot of their life is spent in that boring camp. And it gets to the point where they're just so bored, you know, I mean, and also they've got diseases running riot. They've got lice to deal with. They've got, I mean, everything. And then, of course, um, Joe Hooker actually cleans the army up a little bit. Oh, tremendous. Sure, enjoying the just before the Chancellorsville campaign, doesn't he, Tyler? He does. He institutes a lot of different things that are going to really boost morale in the Army of the Potomac. He's going to come in and when he makes it into the armies. Uh, the, well, when he makes it into command, one of the major things that he does is, A, he installs bread ovens um, and different types of food for the army. You're no longer living off of the crackers and the breadcrumbs. Uh, John McFarland on Facebook just said that reenactment at Cedar Mountain on Sunday, the 7th of August. Cool. The uh, food that's going to be so instrumental to this army being plentiful and in better 
quality than hardtack or whatever you're eating, yeah, that's going to be a big boost. He set up hospitals with better medical care, so there's now um, a better sense of medicaid or just hygiene and medical care being sent through the camps. You're able to now belong to a corps, so Hooker's going to get rid of that division, grand division system that uh, Burnside implements, and now you have this brand new core division system, or this. So you're getting a core badge. Uh, so if you belong to like the first division, you're a specific color to the regiment. It's so cool to see what he does with that, and that that brings okay. into the army this thing called a Spree Corps. And when he brings in a Spree Corps, that's going to not only be this huge boost to morale, but it's going to give the soldiers somewhat of a sense of belonging. It's going to give them the the feeling of belonging to something great. And that's something I like to highlight, especially when I would give tours of Chancellorsville is how much Hooker's reorganization of the army played into making the army, the Potomac, what it was in the later half of the war, mm -hmm. the things that he did to that army. And he was a great military organizer. He organized and put a fighting force behind this army, the likes of which the army, of the Potomac hasn't seen yet under any of the commanders before him, like Burnside and McClellan and, whoever had the chance to command that army. So when, when, when Hooker comes in, he does something incredible there along the banks of the Rappahannock for real. And again, I think you get furloughs as well, don't you? During that period. They you do. Yes, you do. Go Indeed. Home and visit their families. And how good and is that for Morrell? If you can imagine some of them don't want sure. to, because mm -mm. they've, they've built up a, um, a debt with the, uh, the settlers, the settlers, sorry. And he said settlers, sure. the settlers, your settlers. Anyway, uh, the settlers, you know, so sure. out of their thirteen dollars, they should be sending someone at home, and they don't. They end up getting into debt, buying whatever, or even losing it in a card game or whatever. You know, gambling, whatever. They, I mean, gambling was rife. And also, uh, I was pointing this out at reenactment last weekend. Um, religion is not massive in the camps at the time either. People think that this is a real religious time. It's not with inside the camps. There's actually yeah. a lot of people that don't like it. No, but there's also there is a very large revival in the South. At least the Confederates are uh -huh. having a, a religious revival. One thing that I did like to mention, you know, while Hooker's doing all this good to the army and while he's really revitalizing it, I mean, everything's not all rainbows and tulips. There's there's some stuff going on too when it comes to a borderline crisis, and that's when Hooker is placed with the task of having to deal with what twenty thousand. 90 day to three year volunteer three month volunteer guys their their stuff was coming up and so this is i think what rushes chancellors will end up happening and why spring was so much a sought after time for campaign was because he needed to get that big fight in before these these enlistments were up so is that, all you that know, they don't all the time mm -hmm. isn't there and again the pressure from the you know washington come on do something do something that and then you know uh, one thing to to highlight the good that I found actually read today that was really kind of revealing is that uh, Lincoln actually had sort of put a grace period on returning to the ranks if you were a deserter, giving you a certain date. So if you return, nothing would happen to you. You're pretty much back in the ranks. We'll just pretend it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. So that probably had quite a few people come back. I mean, you know, when you have a program like that, so many deserters will somewhat feel that guilt when they leave. That a lot of the diaries will tell us about and then you have the chance to redeem that by going back and not having anything happen to you other than maybe the the regiment calling you a coward for deserting and leaving your men in a place like that but you know with this this kind of like grace period if you will you now have the ability to come back to the army and bolster some of your ranks with some of the folks who were deserting at one point so again though we always talk about um the union side of things during this period but what about the confederates so what's conditions like for them is it the same virtually several of my ancestors enlisted for nine month stints but most did not re-enlist i can't say that i blame them no no for not wanting to re-enlist i mean no. especially after we're looking at that that's like severe presentism because i'm looking at that from today but yeah i mean i would i mean some of them have just witnessed frederick but fredericksburg you know would yeah. you want to re-enlist after that? No, not after Fredericksburg. No, God no. Yeah. You have this um this scenario too, like with the Eleventh Corps. The Eleventh Corps is 
not even in the vicinity of Fredericksburg during the battle. They're they're getting close to the area enough to hear the sounds of the battle, and they're almost thinking that there's this this huge Union victory at first because of the sounds. And then when the wounded start to trickle back, and you see the wounded walking, limping, and horse carts, and the whole nine yards, then you start to realize the reality of the situation that, that the Union Army just suffered a decimating defeat. And it's going to take a toll on them too, even though they weren't there, because it's just the morale of knowing that your army just got manhandled in front of the heights here. It's, it's not a good feeling. Oh, that reminds me of something to do with Fredericksburg. Have you still got that picture that you got sent? Do you picture. know what I mean? Yes, but it's too big of a file to put on this. Oh, screen. you can't do it. Okay, fair enough. That was this goosebump time. Fair enough. 300,000 Bibles were given to the Confederate Army during the war. That is from Kojak on Twitch. Thank you, Kojak. 300,000 Bibles. It's a lot. Thing is, I think the uh, community in the South is more um, was more based around religion, wasn't it? Do you not think? Yeah. Before the start of the war. I think one got a ball in a forehead at Fredericksburg. Ball was never removed, but he lived until 1899, I think. Wow. God, that sucks having a bullet yeah. in your head. Yeah, no kidding. Great story to tell the grandkids, though. Yeah, and it's just like you see this thing. Yeah, here, look at this. Look. Yeah, you can touch it. Oh, yeah. no, not too hard. Yeah, this right here, this is a bullet in my head. Whoa, that's amazing. That's nuts. But, yeah, that's another thing to think about, too, I guess, is like some of the the things that Fredericksburg leaves people with, like you just said, you left somebody with a bullet in their head until 1899. Some people limbless, some people scarred mentally from what they saw at Fredericksburg. Darren, you were, um, you did, did, did we do Chancellorsville at all when you were here? Um, trying to think now. We did, I think, well, we did uh, the uh, flank march, didn't we? But I don't think we really covered the actual battle of Chancellorsville properly. Yeah, we need to do uh, this. We did we the flank to... march and we started at the, bivou the bivouac site. <laughs> I said the you almost word. said it. I know I heard I'm it. Sorry. I'm sorry. But it's, <laughs> it's somebody's fault. Somebody said that word wrong. Anyway, <laughs> you can imagine, ladies and gentlemen, what you're stuck with jokes. You. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, the Biv Wank site. <laughs> you said it. You said it. But yeah, we started there. And he, oh, you and said he it. You took me on this amazing. Dude. Dude. <laughs> Do you know the bit that got me is when we went to um, uh, Catherine's Furnace and you told me about the bear. <laughs> that was you went, it's not funny fun. now, is it? Because I was taking the Michael out of you and Nathan. And Nathan, you'll remember this if you're still watching. But, oh, that was um, at Spotsylvania. No, this was, yeah, I know that was at Spotsylvania, but when we got out of Catherine's Furnace, you said, oh, yeah, there's bears around here as well, like that. He said, you've got to be careful. If you see one, just follow me and don't run. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if you remember this, but you did. We we walked up like a little bit behind the furnace. No. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I told you. I'm yeah, sorry. Anyway, there's a bear. He wound me up, Nate, and um, all of a sudden the joke wasn't funny anymore. And, and you've got to bear in mind, I come from a place where the – the wildest thing in the woods is is a weirdo walking about. So, and then here you're like, oh yeah, there's a there's just a bear sitting right here. Now, if I was in Nate's position, I would have absolutely crapped myself. I mean, yeah, I don't do well with uh, that sort of thing. <laughs> you get used to it after a while. Yeah, I suppose you do. <laughs> just at first, man. Like when I was living there, and I had that bear in my trash can. Well, yeah. Yeah, there was a whole bear in the trash can. Joking. No, it was so serious. There was a whole bear in the trash can, dude. And I was like, no, I'm good. Yeah, anyway, go, go, sorry, going back to the uh, flank march, it was an amazing experience. I'm so glad you managed to take me on that. But I think what we did is we did like bits of Chancellorsville along the, the road as we went back towards Fredericksburg. Um, so we didn't really go into it like proper. Yeah. You know, I think you like pointed out. Um, obviously, I know where we did go. We went to a Hazel, not Hazel, where's Hazel Grove? Is it Hazel Grove in Fairview? Yeah, we did do yeah. that. Yeah, okay, that was good. amazing. That gave me goosebumps. That was like, whoa. And now I'm, I'm annoyed we never done a video up there, actually. 
I know we're gonna have to do that when you come back. Yeah. You yeah, can indeed we... visit Jackson. I never visited that either. You can indeed. If you go to the Elwood Manor out in Elwood, Orange yeah. County, there is an arm supposedly buried in the back of the property, and that arm belongs to Stonewall. So if you happen to be in the area. And if you want to shake his hand, there you go. You can't do that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. Why did we never go to Elwood? I can't remember. Because I didn't really feel the need yeah. out of all the time well, we had to show no, you Jackson's yeah. arm. Like, I, as, I, I as get weird and like as, as neat, I guess, as it is to know that, it's, that, that that exists. I more so was trying to cram in all the yeah. important battle stuff yes. that I know you would want to see, not yes. to like, hey, by the way, Jackson's arm is there. And I mean, the thing is as well, me and Tyler got distracted a few times on the battlefields because we met some amazing people Absolutely. Know, that would come up and talk to Tyler, you know. And of course, Tyler knows is so knowledgeable about these battlefields. They soon realized how knowledgeable he was. And the next thing, you know, we're all on a tour with Tyler. So, you know, I mean, we did that at Spotsylvania. We met that guy. Was his name Ted or something? I can't remember. Yeah, Ted. He, met a, yeah, he came and met us at Antietam too a couple of days he later. He's a lovely guy. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I hope to run into him again soon. He was cool. Yeah, me too. Yeah. He was amazing. Yeah. He lives in the, uh, um, up in Maryland, doesn't he? I think. Near Antietam. Yeah. Amazing. Oh, Antietam was just goosebumps all day long. I know. I need to get back up there soon. All day long. And just standing there on that ground, just wow. It was it was something else, wasn't it? Wow, yeah, I loved it. Me too, mate. It was. Uh, I, I'm glad we got to have that week, dude, because it, it did. It meant a lot to be able to spend time with you and actually enjoy a yes. battlefield yeah. like that, and, and go out and and it won't be a different perspective. Time, you know? No, not at all. Right. There'll be loads of opportunities. Um, I've just got to, you know, become a millionaire. But, um. There's just that one little part, you know. Yeah. Got to be a millionaire first. But I tell you what, if I did, we'd be visiting every single battlefield. Every single one. I'm, I'm for it, but man. There you go. It's not going to happen, mate. So. I know. <laughs> that's my dream. Well, that's your dream? Yeah. Could you imagine us standing in Vicksburg, you know? Oh, wow. I got to finish going through my book pile. We haven't done that yet. I got one. I got one book. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, carry on. Yeah, I forgot about that. It was a twenty minutes. Did you know that Tyler carries a rucksack around with him with his books in? I do. And then you go and sit in Tyler's car, and in the back there's more books. No, now it's now it's jackets. Yeah, jackets and books. I mean, I had to actually sit on them one night because there was no room to sit on the seat. Um, I still put my seatbelt on. I managed to do that. That's Um, good. But but, um, also, there's all sorts in there. This is the oh, next yes. one. Yes. That looks like a cool book. It is. Since uh, it's Gettysburg's Peach Orchard, Peach Orchard James yeah. Hessler and Britt Eisenberg. Stories of Gettysburg. Mine too. And I, since I was just up there, I wanted to read something, and I had this book at home. So instead of I, by the way, I went to Gettysburg and did not buy a book. Well, it's probably because you didn't have time. Didn't have time, and just didn't actually. Well, I, I have heard there's a very good secondhand bookstore there. There is, and I did everything in my power not to go this time. I hate that I didn't go, but I'll be yeah. back later this year, so don't worry. Yeah. We'll be back. But again, I do love that. Peach the next one. Freedom National, The Destruction of Slavery in the United States, 1861 to 1865 by James mm-hmm. Oakes. Fair so far, a fantastic book. I'm about yep. 58 pages into it, and I like every bit of it so far. I have a recommendation if you're interested in that. There's one called um, There's one called uh, Slavery. Oh, what is it called? Um, it's, it's written by an American, but he's here in Britain uh, at Durham University at the moment. Okay. Oh, what's it called? It's called Slavery Goes West, uh, Goes West or something like that. I can't remember what it's called. Mm. It's very good. It looks very good. I haven't read it. This is the next two, because it's a two-volume set. It's not oh. just a one-volume. This is Under the Crescent Moon, Under the 11th Corps in the Civil War, Volume 1, From Defenses of Washington to Chancellorsville. And then Volume 2 is From Gettysburg to Victory, 1863 to 1865. And that's the cover there. That is my oh, sonar list. I like so the picture far. on the front there. That's the... Uh, oh, yeah, over the Evergreen yeah. Cemetery Gate. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's got the wow. 11th. Thing is, when you stand up there, you can't imagine the carnage that would have been around them. No, and I, I'm starting to feel bad for the 11th Corps. For what happens at both Chancellorsville and Gettysburg. Like, they just have a really bad couple months. But so I, <laughs> I'm so excited now that we're going to do, literally, guys, I promise you, we're going to go to Gettysburg really early on the Thursday morning. And we are going to go to all the important spots. We're going to be standing and doing live videos from all the important spots. I think we should give the 11th course some love when we go to Gettysburg. We'll give, we'll give yeah. them some. But I am desperate to stand where Dan Sickles did. <laughs> because the thing is, right, this is the thing. When I went in 2007, I didn't understand the battle properly. So I didn't now go you to do. that part. I, didn't, I, I went around the battlefield, yes, but I didn't go to that part, you know. So for and me, I need to do that. That's on my bucket okay. list. We can do that. You know, I've did, I did, I did done the 20th main stuff, you know. I've done all that. And it's interesting, don't get me wrong. But I want to go and stand where Dan Sickles stood. Sounds like a plan to me. And where he lost his leg. Well, didn't lose it. Perhaps. And there's, I, I don't, again, can't point the trajectory to this. But there's a good chance my ancestor, his battery was the reason his leg got obliterated because mm -hmm. they're shooting into Sickles' position there at the Trossel barn. That's another thing we're going to do. Your ancestors' last cannon shot or cannon. South Cavalry Field, Fairfield, and Monterey Pass. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. I haven't done those yet. That's another thing I need to do when I get to Gettysburg is do a lot of the lesser hit sites. Uh, Tattooed Historian showed me something really cool at Gettysburg, too, that I've never seen, and that was the uh, aid station over there by the wheat field. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's and, and, the, and there's a rock that was used as a surgery table that's still there. No way. Yeah, dude, it was. Oh, so I need cool. to see this. And it, it, no one ever gets to see it because the Irish Brigade yeah. monument's right in front of it. So everybody goes to see the Irish Brigade monument, which, understandably, so it's a beautiful monument. But over there on the other side of the road, you go back behind another monument, and there's a rock that has the plaque that shows that this was an aid station, and they said that there was a table used by surgeons. I would rather that, go and look at a rock. Yeah, that rock's pretty cool, dude. Like I was, especially one that was used as a surgery table. Like you can just look right on the ground, and that rock's right there. Oh my god, I'm so excited! Yeah, man, it's Gettysburg's an awesome place. It's just, it's just, it is just. It's a civil war on steroids. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. It is, it is, it's, but it's so nice, isn't it? You know. Ooh, Noel Harrison over on Facebook. Oh, hello, Noel. Nice he to see you again, Mike. Maybe also a Germana Ford, Raccoon Ford area and Cedar Mountain while you're out that way. Circuit for Darren, since I recall that his regulars reached the Army of the Potomac in the area of Raccoon Ford. We've got to go there. Okay, yeah. And then we have uh, Kojak. Lost Avenue at Gettysburg is a must visit. I have not gotten to do the entirety of Lost Avenue yet. I really want to. I almost did one of the times I was up there a few years ago, but never had the chance to go all the way down. So that's definitely on my list of things to do at Gettysburg for sure. And then the other one is the railway cut. I've not been to that either. You have not been to the rail cut? No. I went past it on a bus, like, you know, with the tour, you know? That and so where John took me, I've never been to as many times as I've been on day one's battlefield. I've never been to the McPherson barn ever. Mm -hmm. And, and we that's stood the first down place fighting, isn't it? That is the first yeah. day's fight. We stayed down at the McPherson barn, man, and we did our video there. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could what you couldn't see on camera was the uh, the view I had that was behind the camera was all the way up to the seminary. Oh I know, God. dude. I know. Goosebumps. I, I was. It was hard. Like I was trying to focus on the camera, and I kept looking. I'm just like, right in front of me is the freaking seminary. I look to the left, and I see the railroad cut. I can see Oak Hill because I can see the flame from the freaking Peace Light Memorial just burning oh, through the man. trees. You then see a train going through the railroad, so you can see the, where the railroad is across the field that the Mississippians would have been in it. Uh, dude. I know that was, and then like it really, really, really made the night even cooler. Is when we went to leave and we turned around, the sun was down, and there were thousands. And I'm not kidding when I say thousands of fireflies, and you could just see them lighting up the battlefield in the woods. You could see little lights flashing. And I told John, I'm like, oh, probably what muskets look like at night, and just like walking through and seeing. That's their soul. That's all the salt lost souls out there. That is. That's, yeah. what, that's what I would think. It was just really, really unique to see that. And I was like, man, this is so cool well, to be. Well, you know, maybe we can get Mr. John Heckman to come out with us too. I think we should. You know, 
and uh, maybe even go to a little Irish pub. Oh, the Gary Owen, maybe? That place? Mm-hmm. Well, Darren, I think this was another very successful episode. That way too loud. I appreciate you coming on uh, late at night. Yeah, I don't mind. It's only 7.50 here, so we're not too bad time-wise. But you over there, it's it's late. Yeah, you'll be getting lot, lots more of this, guys. There's lots coming yeah. out. We've got lots planned. Um, we have got something huge planned for the new year. I'm not going to tell you anymore. And it's going to be huge. I'm very excited involved. about this. This is everyone this is involved. Kojak so, also came in last minute. They're saying the Hunter's Town for the Custer Monument. Okay. Good to and know. Again, guys, we will be at the symposium this year as well. And we will be doing some behind the scenes stuff. So we'll be getting some pretty cool interviews. How long is the drive from Fredericksburg to get here? Uh, it's about two hours, it two and a half, three? Two and a half, about two and a half. The way I took was two and a half. It wasn't bad. Yeah, it depends which way you go, doesn't it, really? Yeah, it does. It's, it all depends you can on go which go two way different ways. Right? Well, you can go a few ways, can't you? You can. All righty, folks. Okay. Well, well I hope you guys have a great week. We will see you next Sunday for another one of these conversations that we have. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate your viewership. And we hope to see you again soon.